Hi everyone, my name is Essen and you are listening to the Brown History Podcast. My guest today is rising star Sid Sriram. Sid grew up in California where he was trained in Carnatic music since he was 3 years old. He's already a very popular established playback singer in India but now he's in North America and he just released an English language album titled Siddharth. And it's very good. I highly recommend you check it out. His sound, his energy, and he himself, it's all one of a kind, really. And it's special because I don't think there's anybody else like him musically. And you'll see what I mean when you listen to this episode. So check it out, have a listen, and if you're enjoying the Brown Issue podcast, and you're enjoying the Instagram feed, and you want to support, and you want to help out, consider being a Patreon. It helps us a lot, and your contribution goes a long, long way. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get this started. I listen to your album and it's as if like there's so many layers it's like history and culture and ancient traditions all all coming together to form a human and then that human form starts to sing and there's like so many layers of different things and you don't understand but you know that there's something deep behind it and there's like a whole backstory to it and then you put in you know you've got like you're collaborating with justin vernon boniver i'm a huge boniver fan so to have that too and there's just so much going on there that it's 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 very impressive and it's all glued together by this um by you know the universal emotions and feelings that we all go through our hopes and dreams anyways congratulations on your success and and the journey that you've taken so far Appreciate that very deeply, man. That means a whole lot to me, for real. Thank you. My understanding is that you're from Chennai and your parents came to America in the 90s, I think. So yep. before they came to America, what did they do and, and what, would, what was their life like? They're both from Chennai, what was then Madras. My parents both, well, my, my mom grew up there her whole life. My dad kind of jumped around. He was born in Madras, but spent time in Fiji when he was younger, like formative years. I want to say like, probably from when he was like seven to maybe like 12 or so wow. then back back to Madras. And then he moved around India a whole bunch. Um, uh, they got married, I think 86. And then I uh, had my sister in 87. Um, my mom has been, my grandfather was a musician. He was both a Carnatic musician and he's also arranging and, and making music for films. So my mom has been, uh, was kind of handed music to her uh, my father was was not a musician he was working um in in technology spaces uh risk and compliance you know so he's the outsider uh, of the family in a way but so they got married they had my sister they had me in 1990 uh we moved to the states in 91 and he kind of encouraged my mom to start her music school in 92 in francisco bay area um, but he's really been an integral part of, I mean, that for her and like kind of jumpstarting her career as uh, as a music educator. Um, but even for myself and my sister from a young age, she also, uh, we used to actually, my sister and I used to sing Carnatic concerts together before my voice broke. Uh, she's an incredible dancer, about a Nantium dancer. So um, it's kind of like we've all been glued in this together with him not being an artist but him really being someone who has this sixth sense with things and can kind of like tell uh when there's a direction that we should kind of go in so um we moved here in 91 and my whole childhood was spent in in fremont california which is actually where i'm at right now i just got here uh earlier today i have a show in oakland tomorrow um but yeah, so 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 our whole childhood was was an Indo-American childhood in the in in the suburbs of Northern California, um, 
but yeah, that's 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 what my parents did. Uh, later on, my dad would leave his his other professional work to start managing me full time. Wow, so you guys are very very close. Yeah, he's your manager. That's in, that's incredible. So your mom yeah. starts to train you and starts to teach you music. Was music you were already interested in naturally, or was that kind of like uh, your parents, your mom pushing you, and then it kind of just worked out for you? No, I was. I, apparently, they were talking about this the other day. Apparently, when I was like as young as like six, seven months, I just kind of be like humming melodies and shit. So like, I think I kind of came out the womb with the music kind of it was already in my blood it was handed down to me like as like a lineage thing right and um and then i was surrounded by it because she started the music school so i was just picking up things by ear and and really like falling in love with it subconsciously um and 93 is when i really started learning when i was three years old uh and she had the school then they were doing a performance uh in berkeley california and again, I don't remember this far back, but I've been told that I, I was really adamant about wanting to perform as well. And because my sister was performing and my parents thought I'd like go on stage and get scared and just like not want to do it. So they're like, all right, let's let's see, kind of do the thing. And I fell in love with it, you know, so it's it's kind of like it was very early on that I had a deep. Uh, almost like beyond the subconscious even but from my core i gravitated towards music and sound in a way that really felt like water and air and it's like an elemental kind of aspect of my life that's really interesting because people usually you know south asians children growing up try to rebel against their family culture or music or religion or whatever it is and try to kind of move away from it and do their own thing and was there ever a phase in your life where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do another thing. Nah, man, I think for me, the music was really, I mean, I had identity crisis and I definitely had many moments of, you know, the outer linings of self-hatred and, and not really understanding who I was in the context of growing up over here. But the music was my lifeline at every point. And then, but let me also say, like, I wasn't the, like a disciplined kid. I was kind of just like my, my brain was flying all over the place. So my parents were strict with me about practicing, you know, and like making sure I, I was like, if I was going to do this, that I was really dedicated to it from a young age. But so, so in that way, yeah, I, I definitely had my rebelliousness in terms of not uh, like wanting to fight the discipline of it. But the music itself, as far back as I can remember, was a place of like deep solace for me. So and I talk about this sometimes, but it felt like there's this karmic hangover that I had from past lives or, or whatnot, where I, uh, there's a certain melancholy that I feel like has existed within my system as far back as I can remember. And the music was always my way of kind of like kneading through that and, and kind of like figuring out, uh, my way through different emotions or questions or identity and, and, and all that. And there was enough points of deep resonance when I'd be either like practicing at home or performing or like, you know, family gatherings or like family friends coming over and I'd sing for them. Um, in any of these contexts, I'd, I'd have points of just like feeling like deeply transcendent um, when I was singing. So those moments were always just like, okay, you know, even if everything else is chaotic, you have this thing that can at least allow you to make sense of aspects of the world.
you're you're now in your 30s in your early 30s i think 34 33, 33. if i did the math right 33, 33 yeah you're 33 is that melancholy that sadness still in you or have you released it all out no i i definitely haven't released it all out it's 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 less now especially in the process of making this last album i feel like i worked my way through a lot of shit while we made when we made this album and I used to write music that was primarily coming from a space of pain before. Mm-hmm. And with this album, it was like really an embrace of, of joy as well. And embrace of, of, of so many different kind of like aspects of who I am. And I think in, in being able to tap into those different emotional spaces, I was able to also kind of uh, work my way through some of like the more melancholic currents of my being um definitely haven't released all of it i think a lot of that has to come with this kind of like spiritual pursuit of trying to understand the way in which the universe works or like this this yearning for for a truth that is greater than than any one human being myself or any group of human beings you know like a universal truth um and that's always been uh when i was younger it was much more of like a, it was like an intuitive like I, I didn't know what exactly it was but i was chasing after something and as i've gotten older and um and especially by way of music kind of like started figuring out and unlocking some doors uh that, that i feel like i'm getting closer to it but um i'm not there yet and so i i, I do believe the deep yearning will probably always be a part of of, of my of who i am at, mm-hmm. at, at like the fabric of, of who I am for sure. To someone who doesn't understand what Carnatic music is or Carnatic style is, how would you define that to them? Well, there's a few different, I guess, like anchor points for looking at it technically first and uh, like melodically, there's this uh, melodic construct in Carnatic music called the Raga. And that exists in any uh, like Indian classical based music form. Um, but the Raga, basically the way I describe it is there's thousands of Ragas and each one is like a, a melodic universe unto itself. Um, it has like an ascending and descending scale, like roughly that forms the backbone of what, what the, the melodic structure of a Raga is, but it's much more than just that. It's also comprised of these very nuanced building blocks of, of phrases. Um, and these phrases are like small, small pieces. And when you're able to kind of really internalize said raga um then you can improvise uh w- improvise in that in, the, in in that raga it's also what all the compositions are made up of so um that's one kind of like anchor point then there's a rhythmic anchor points different rhythmic cycles that that kind of are put to work in the different compositional formats um and then there's the text a lot of the text or all the text for the most part is is based on on uh expounding on on hindu philosophy or different stories that come from hindu mythology um and they're in languages ranging from from sanskrit tamil telugu some malayalam Kannada, um mainly southern languages so carnatic music hails from southern india uh and it's just a very very ancient musical tradition um and yeah it's it's the form of music that i was raised on it's it's what my mom what was passed on to my mom from her father and and so on so it was kind of passed on to me by them and it's when i started learning music at the age of 3 that that's that's the form that i started learning and it's it's kind of it exists in my dna but also just on a very human just like here and now level it's 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 what was taught to me from a young age and it's been the form that has 
provided me with a framework to kind of look at not only music, but the world. Um, you know, I was talking about ragas and the building blocks and how when you put them together, you're able to build on these like more complex melodic ideas. Um, when I was younger, I didn't understand that in an intellectual way. It was more of like an intuitive understanding. And then I hit a point when I was around 17 or 18 years old with the music form, maybe even younger, like 16 years old, where uh, uh, it just felt like this big glacier that I didn't understand that I was just like smacked up right against. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of this. And I had kind of like two uh, choices at that time. I could either just be like, okay, I don't, I don't want to study this form anymore because I've hit a point where I'm just not getting it, mm-hmm. or uh, or really I could like dig down and and start working at it and chipping away. And I did the latter, where I started chipping away. And this happened at a point in my life when I was also, you know, that 16, 17, 18 time frame of your life is very formative. You know, right. Um, the fact that I was chipping away at the chipping away at this form, it almost became like a metaphor for me understanding life as a whole you know and 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 really just doing the work on a day-to-day like level of rigor to figure this form of music out and and be able to imbibe it on a more intellectual level and in parallel with that that's what i was doing just with life trying to figure it out becoming an adult becoming a man and figuring out my place in the world and all that stuff so um carnatic music for me i know i'm rambling a little bit but it's no no please go ahead it's been a very metaphorical, just kind of parallel to the way I've grown up and turned into who I am today. My my studying of that form has been that for sure. See, it's such a it's such a complicated craft. And even as you explain it, it's still very difficult to understand. And I wonder if I if you're walking into a room full of uh, musicians from America who, you know, for example, Justin Vernon or or anybody and and producers and and, instru- and people playing the instruments and and you're all collaborating together to make something and whatever you're going to make is really uh for you because your name's on it and you're the you're you're the main uh the front you have the face man. of it and yeah, you're the yeah. face of it. It's it's you. You know, yeah. and I know music is a very collaborative process and, and a lot of different sounds that come together. How do you, well, I guess, how do you explain yourself to other musicians who have no idea about the history, the craft, the culture, anything of it? And at the same time, how do you, how much of you do you keep in in a, in a collaborative process in the music room? That's a great question. Um, I feel like for me, this... First, I, my process of kind of trying to uh, cross-pollinate my different worlds musically started probably around 2008. Uh, I went to college at Berklee College of Music. Um, and at that point, the only formal training in music I had was in, in Carnatic music and South Indian classical music. I'd been I'd picked up like R&B and soul and jazz just by ear and kind of taught myself how to vocalize in those forms from a young age, from around when I was like eight or nine years old. Um but once I started college, that's also when I started writing my own music. And and from the very beginning, I, I started kind of planting the seeds of, of, of seeing what bringing my different worlds together would look and sound and feel like. Um, admittedly, at first, it was very disjointed in, in a way where I'd write a song and then there'd be a section in the end where I'd just sing some alap, just like Indian classical based stuff. So I was like, oh, here's the Indian part. You know what I mean? And it didn't really feel like right. it was coming together. So that was the beginning of, of of my discovery. But somehow I always knew that I wasn't I wasn't doing justice to either form um, in that way. But it started over a decade ago and it's been 
10 plus years of just experimenting and trying things out and, and, um, you know, shooting a lot of shots at it. And and many times it, it used to feel corny or contrived or just like it not rooted all the way, you know, um, but chipping away again at it over the years. Um, when it came time to make this album specifically, I feel like because I'd been working at it so much and trying so many different things out and along the way, having my aha moments of like, oh, this is special and internalizing that and letting that really kind of like become a deep part of my musical vocabulary. When it came time to make this album, it flowed out of me effortlessly where um, I remember specifically the first day um, we were at Ryan Olson's studio who produced this record in Minneapolis. Justin was in the room. Uh, Chris Bearden was bass player. Aaron Baum was on keys and Alex Nutter was on modular synthesis. And we were just in there just jamming, open jam. Um, and I was flowing we, the song that would later become Dear Sahana. Um, we were uh, we were doing the first jam of it. And I remember like I'd be singing a certain phrase, which was very clearly like, western pop r&b soul influence but just kind of like flow right into a riff that that that, that was indian classically based you know mm -hmm. like I, I could feel it and i remember one time justin just looking over at me like yo what was that <laughs> you know what i mean and like and it was just clear that a special resonant moment had occurred or was occurring at that time and i think the way that I'm able to, I think the one of the questions you asked is how do you preserve yourself in those yes. moments? Yeah. yeah. I was just, the best way is just to, to, to have done the work before. So when I showed up and we were making the music, then I didn't have to think about anything. You know, I, it was, I was able to be myself without effort. Um, and just kind of like it, it flowed from a, a deeply subconscious space um where i didn't have to present in any way i didn't have to be like this is who i am or like assert anything i just i was able to just like in a very natural just like nature way just go there be present um and another big testament is is that room when we were making music there was no ego there was no like um everyone was really kind of like working with each other yeah i didn't have to you know there was no ego as really like everyone was there just to have a good time with each other. So the room and the people in the room also made it possible for me to not have to think about identity. I didn't have to think about anything really, you know, and, and because I'd done the work, I showed up and we made music and I've learned that's the best way to, I, I guess like not have to give up one's identity is like if if one you surround yourself with the right people mm -hmm. who where the intention of the room is such that you you don't have to kind of like put a stake in the ground as such you know you can just exist and i was able to just exist um so th that's what it was um and for and there was also no need for anyone else to under like really kind of uh there was no explanation necessary because when the moments of resonance happened, it was just like something divine. Uh, and when those moments happen, it kind of like is a universal language that starts to get exchanged where, you know, like, like I said, when Justin looked over at me, he doesn't know much outside of like a cursory, like studying of Indian classical music. Yeah. But it hit somewhere like deep, it struck a deep chord, like soulfully. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think that's what I've realized. It is like you know, like words like fusion music is is thrown around a lot and all. That. It is, yeah. I'm, I'm really not a fan of the phrase or the term. Um, I think if 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 you've really done the work to soul search and find who you are, and and uh, build that strong foundation of your own individual identity, which has a lot to do with like your where where you come from but it also has just to do with how if you spent the time to figure out how you look at the world and how you view yourself and embracing oneself um you can and you're in you're really rooted in that you know like something my folks have especially my father has always reminded me is like really kind of define what your anchor points are for yourself on like a deep level then in in artistry you can you 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 there's a higher probability of tapping into something that is coming from deep within you that's just going to kind of resonate across whatever format whatever culture um and i think yeah yeah and i think that's what that space was for me you're someone with like a lot of like your fans are in very different communities and people don't know this but you've been you're a very popular playback i didn't even know this you were a very very popular singer in india with film and and playback singing i think it's called exactly and it's 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 that's one of the reasons why you know doing this interview is kind of hard because your 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 life is so big and wide and you know you grew up in america then you go to india you you become popular there then you come back here and then you become uh, you release an album in english so it's with justin vernon working with you which is insane so when this english album came out did you get a different reaction from your white audience uh, compared to your your South Asian Indian audience, or was there a different kind of uh, resonate between the two? I, I think it's been interesting. Like the first thing that happened, even before the album came out, we did a tiny desk, right? Like four, yes, four, five, very eight. cool. By the way, iconic. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So that was our first like, here I am moment. You know what I mean? Like, and who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. And predating even the the film stuff for me, which my first song for an Indian film was, was with A.R. Rahman in 2012. Um, even before that, I was putting out like original music and covers up on YouTube when I was in college still. And I had a cover of Frank Ocean song, We All Try, that came out in 2011. That really kind of just like blew up and yeah. kind of me my initial first core fan base or whatever. But Fast forward to now when we did the tiny desk, I really identified that there was like three different streams of of responses, if you may. The first was from or maybe four, but the first was from people that had, had remembered me from the Frank Ocean cover and be like, yo, I haven't seen this dude in a decade. Like, where has he been at? You know, I'm just being hyped that they, like I was back in their world and back in their consciousness. They're the you know? OG fans. Yeah, and they've been around and and it was great because that was such a moment back then in 2011 that they've been holding on since then. And even though they've kind of like, I, I, I'd, I'd left their consciousness for, for a minute. Once they saw it, they were like right back on board, which was, that was really cool. Very cool. Um, the second was people that were discovering me for the first time, uh, mostly non-South Asian folks. So that's either um, white folks, black folks, whatever background mostly from the like western hemisphere um and this was something that was just a completely new experience because this music is really 
a kaleidoscopic kind of coming together of different cultural and 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 musical influences and i think that tiny desk was a really great uh first introduction you know um where it it really highlights all the different aspects of who i am in a in 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 a concise and articulate way so there's also those folks who are just like we've never really heard anything like this and we want to know a lot more about it um the third was uh, South Asian folks who who might know or that probably know of my film career, but haven't really tapped into that, and they were just felt like they were being represented in in a in a special way in the West. Um, and then the fourth was fans of my film music, which is it's a large group of people, pretty um, big, and and that group has it's it's been uh, there's been a crossover of a percentage of them who are really excited about this new music and this album, even though it's in English and everything I sing for films is in either Tamil, Telugu, Malayalam, one of those three languages. So there's been a group of them that have been very excited. There's been other folks who might not even be fans, but are very aware of my presence or some of them are fans who are not all the way excited that I'm doing an English, that I did an English album, you know, because, um, they feel like they have ownership of, of of me in a very like loving way, of course. But take it as a compliment. Yeah. And so it's been those different things. And it's been very interesting, kind of like traversing the different spaces and 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 finding my way. But my guiding light through the whole thing is just I've my career in film has has been for over a decade now. I have reached the very pinnacle of that career, and it's been beautiful, and I've been very grateful. Um, and I continue to still sing songs for Indian films, but I did reach a point there where I felt like I kind of, I needed more, you know, mm-hmm. and I needed to be able to tell my own story and express my own identity. And as a playback singer, I am singing other people's compositions and other people's words. I'm not writing those songs. No. So, you know, it's, it's creatively satisfying for sure to a degree, but I, during the pandemic specifically, I hit a point where I was like, yo, I really need to, tell my own story um so beyond anything else beyond what the the external world's reaction or expectation of me is um as artists we we you know when we feel that deep calling you have to follow it or or else you're just going to drive yourself crazy so first and foremost this um pivot that i've done in the last two years basically has been um just following that deep inner voice and and making sure I'm doing justice to myself. We talked about how you have to kind of preserve yourself in the music room and you kind of have to stay true to yourself. And, you know, music is universal and you want to keep it inviting and you don't want to scare people off and and you want to include everybody. When it comes to branding and and showbiz and and deciding on the on the costume you're going to wear and deciding on the name of the album for example, how much time do you spend thinking about these things? Because you can kind of you can kind of uh head in the direction where you're you're just like uh I guess um I don't know what the word is. Uh you become a certain type but people expect you. So if you keep wearing kurtas and, and traditional Indian clothing, then you're that guy forever. But if you mix it up, then you can be another guy. So how much do you take on how much time do you spend thinking about what your look is going to be like and what the color of your posters are going to be like how much you know indianness is going to be in it and how much american is because you're kind of in between these two worlds now so it must be very difficult for you to figure out how do i 
be myself, but at the same time, tell them that I'm not just your one dimensional type singer. And there's a lot going on here and there's a lot of layers. I think the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is the title of the album. So, you know, we were thinking about different titles and we had finished the music. Um, and only after that did we start thinking about titles. And we were For, for people think. who don't know, do you want to tell them what the title of the album is? <laughs> oh, yeah. The title of the album is Siddharth, which is my full name, the name yes. that my parents gave me. So um, I was thinking about a bunch of different titles. Nothing was really sticking. Um, and then one day, very much sim- like very similar to the process of making the album, which was very like, it felt like a creative wave just hit us and and there was no thinking, you know, like there was no toiling over stuff. It was very much just on a day to day being hyper, hyper present and uh, being a vessel and just letting, you know, the music be channeled through Um, in the same way. One morning I woke up and I was like, what if I just name it my like Siddharth? And, and it wasn't, there was no thought behind it at first. It was a subconscious something. It just kind of struck me. I texted Ryan who produced the album. I was like, yo, what do you think about this? And he immediately was very hype about it. And it just felt right. So I ran with it. And as we, as I embraced that and really dug into and, and kind of unearthed, because, um, you know, when these things happen, I, I look at it as, as messages from God. Um, mm-hmm. You don't understand it on an intellectual level immediately. Just you have a feeling and and it feels right. Um, but as you as you spend time with it, you start to kind of like unpack it a bit. And it was really such a perfect kind of title for this album because this album is really a deep embrace of self uh, more than anything else. And it's a reclaiming of self or an under, an, maybe for the first time understanding the whole spectrum of, of self. Um, and that name is a name that I, I haven't really been called in a long time. You yeah. know, everyone calls me Sid. My folks call me Siddharth. I don't really, I don't let them call me Sid because I find that very weird. So, um, so, but other than that, it's a name that I've, I've just so much distance has, has formed between me and that name. And, you know, names are, intimate and spiritual and 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 deep and the fact that I've, I've had such a disconnect with the name that my parents gave me and all this stuff occurred to me after we titled it this but i was like i i need to get back to that i need to get back to the source you know and this album is a getting back to the source so um there was really no thought of what is the cultural kind of not cultural but it is this going to put me in a certain box or whatever? It just, it felt so right. So we ran with it in terms of the other kind of presentations that have come with the album. um, One specifically how I dress, you know, I I brought the kurta for the, for the tiny desk taping and I had a couple other outfits. I was like, no, I'm just going to rock this. And a lot of times it's just like these decisions that are made, not on a whim as such, but it's like, this, it felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time i always kind of i don't want to say despise but when i see artists who have to like be dressed the exact same way all the time or they have their signature outfit um more power to them for me it doesn't work because i, I the word I, I always use is kaleidoscopic i feel like my identity and and like this kind of coming together of the different influences having growing up growing up in the bay over here 
that's a very specific culture as well. You know, yeah, it is. Um, and so, but I have through the process of, of of releasing this music and making visuals and and all that, I think I really kind of zero in more specifically on the types of attire that I like to wear. You know, like I don't always want to be wearing something that's very clearly an Indian influenced piece of clothing. Sometimes mm-hmm. I. Sometimes I'll just pull up in a white tee and a vest and throw a couple of chains out. You know what I mean? And the thing is, I feel just as comfortable regardless. And what I also think, and I've seen it, is I feel like the spirit of who I am is just as true and also consistent aesthetically, whether I'm wearing one of these two things. They're not too far apart because of how I wear them. And that's also my take on fashion. I think like, super designered out shit is fun and cool but like it really comes down to how an individual wears something you know and i feel like it took me a while to get to this place because when i was younger i was so insecure especially about how i dressed but in the last couple years few years um i've learned to just really feel comfortable in what i'm wearing and that has led me to find uh be able to better like find nuance in how I want to dress myself. Um, so that's one in terms of like the visuals or like specifically the album artwork and all that. I worked with this artist, his name is Eric Timothy Carlson, who's worked on the last like two Bon Iver album covers, and I got connected to him through Ryan. That is um, so cool, yeah, because I and love those album covers. Oh man, they're amazing, yeah. So, Ryan and Justin, just also for context, so my producer Ryan and, and Justin Vernon are childhood friends they both grew up in eau claire wisconsin so that's how justin got to be a part of this whole process as well but yeah so me and and eric is a real artist um where he he's like a fine artist really thinking about the intention of layering and symbols and i went out to his studio in dumbo in, in in new york and we just spent a week before he even started creating anything where we i just pull up to his studio he'd show me different um textures fabrics he he bought like a couple of books on South Asian ancient, just like um, textures, symbolism, all these different things. And he was just studying it and inputting all this information into his system. And we were just having conversations and he basically built like a visual universe for the album with these various symbols, which I'm still going to be kind of like sharing on, on, um, on my socials and everything. And, and, together through conversation and really getting to know one another we built a visual universe that would ultimately become the album cover and all the single covers and and all that and um it's cool I'm, because i worked with someone who's so far outside of of my specific culture mm-hmm. it felt like he was able to in discovering and learning about um these different south asian visual influences he he was able to put forth his interpretation of some of that stuff. Um, and it, it just felt like some, what he created felt like something that was very new and that didn't feel derivative or like it was trying to mimic something else. It just felt like um, it was its own thing. Uh, and that was really exciting for me. And there's a definite Indian influence uh, in, in all the visual pieces that came out, but it feels like, you know, like how you feed like prompts into AI, like Dolly or whatever, and like it spits out shit. Yeah, it was like that 
except just like with an actual human being kind of like processing and putting forth, right 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 you know I what i mean yeah, so yeah it turned into its own thing which was very exciting this might be a stupid question but what does sahana mean goddess no so sahana well it's a couple of different meanings sahana is uh uh it's you know i was talking about ragas before yeah um, it's music so it's the name of a raga okay. um but it's also just uh i actually don't know what exactly it means is there is there a sahana in your in my life or was a sahana in your life no um because women the the music video show i mean i'm sure women play a really big part in your life and have played a big in your life so i want to talk about that but i guess we kind of just answered it now (laughs) well there i used to have conversations with my first ex where if we were ever gonna have a daughter together, we would have named her that. Damn, I've been talking about that yet. Yeah, that's exclusive right here. Yeah, for real, man. So she's I, there. I she's listening to that song one. right now and thinking, "Oh my god, this is about me." <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a name that I've always really loved, um, and that's actually kind of at the core of the of the song. You know what I mean? That kind of like thought has always, and I've always, I've tried to write two other songs with that name being at the center of it over the last like eight years or whatever, mm-hmm. never really locked in. And when this one hit, it was like, Oh, this is, this is the one. Cause the music video plays tribute to, to women, especially South Asian women. Uh, and, and it's very beautiful. And I think your mom's in there too. Yep. She's the yeah. one I'm hugging. Yeah. It, it, it's very yeah, cute. Yeah. And, and it's just so well made and it's just really, really beautiful. I love man. No, it was beautiful. So what happened was actually, so the tiny desk came out first. Um, and that clip, a clip of dear Sahana started going crazy on like my Instagram and on TikTok and everything. And, um, we were actually going to put out another song as the, the next single, uh, the hard way was supposed to come out first. Um, but once we started seeing that moving and it was becoming this moment where there's just so many um, South Asian women and also just more broadly women of color who are talking about the fact that like you don't see a Indian based name in like a Western pop influence song ever. Mm-hmm. Um, once we saw that and it, it was like a completely organic thing, there was like we weren't you know, there was no plays that we were making on socials to get people to make content. It was happening on its own. Once we saw that, one, it was clear that that had to be the next single. And then two, really kind of digging in and, and understanding, like, these women were championing the song and really loving it because they felt represented. So from that, making that visual was a direct kind of next step. Um, and then my friend Tanima Marhotra, she's the one that directed the video and she's uh, a South Asian woman. So all around, like that shoot that day was a really simple shoot, but it was so joyful because there was women of different age groups coming through. And they all um, seem happy. And it's just a, it's just really, it's just a good feeling after watching that. Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, Tanima is very good at at kind of like my mom, she was happy that she was the first one to shoot that morning and and we kicked it for the rest of the day and she was just so happy that day you know like but Tanima's really good at bringing out the joy specifically in women um or, or like south asian women she did an incredible job what did your parents i mean i know your mom taught you music but did your parents see music as a as a livelihood to make you money or was to them was it just a hobby and then after that you go get your engineering degree or whatever degree no, no, it was, it was, 
um hobby not a hobby it was, See, it was, so they're 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 like the opposite it's like big time i think their thing is like it was very clear early on that that music was my calling so wow. for them it was like all right if you're gonna do this you gotta really do it you know and you went to school for it and everything you went to yeah or even when i was younger it was like okay if if this is what you say or this is what you're passionate about and you obviously have this deep talent for it then you're gonna work your ass off doing it you know it's yeah. not just gonna be like oh this is fun like no you like let's get to work when it came time to go to college i got into ucla and i got into berkeley college of music in boston and i wanted to go to ucla because all my friends were going there having grown up in california um but again they're the ones that like no you know this is what you're committing your life to go to the place where you can really deeply commit to it you know that's incredible yeah so that's been the energy ever since i was young um in high school i was uh i was i was one of the kids that was you know uh attention span was short not really kind of like and i I was doing there were certain classes that i really excelled in like ap chemistry and shit like i knocked it out the park for sure mm -hmm. but th those are fleeting moments um, but music was a deep constant through the whole thing. Your parents watching you become a big star in India, they must be like proud that you're just established in their in their own homeland, in their own country. It's interesting because they're both so deeply woven into the fabric of my career, like the work of it. Like we're working together every day. I still learn from my mom. Like I said before, my dad manages me. My sister is like a sounding board. So the core unit, the four of us, like, we work together a lot. So I do believe, I'm sure they're proud. I'm sure, but yes. But, but it's also like, there's, before I really believed in myself the way I do now, they saw what I could be, you know, early on. It's both of them. And my father was able to always really articulate it. So because that was the case, and we obviously take the moments to like, be like oh we just this has been accomplished that's amazing you know like to really kind of enjoy the moment but all of us also collectively know that there's a lot more to do you know wow. that there's like there's yeah. there's and and i believe that with my whole heart you know i think like this album and and forget the releasing of it and and how it's been like like people digging in and all that but in the creation of it itself to me, it unlocked this deep belief that as long as I continue forward with the same intensity and uh, honesty, we're going to change the world, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to be something very positive and very profound. And that's what, that's what we're after, you know, as a, again, as a unit. So um, there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of um, joy and again, in the right moments, there's a lot of celebration, but we see a certain, and it's not even about personal glory, really. You know, I think it's just about like, we we can change, we can shift the way certain things move if we do this thing the right way. Mm -hmm. Your your mom and your dad are supporting you and they've got your back and they're helping guiding your career. But that's that's India. How are they taking the transition in in uh, in America? Now you've got like American platforms, you got tiny desk. It, it might be new to them or unknown to them. How is that? How are they dealing with that? And how are you dealing with that? 
now that you're like in new unknown territory? Well, first, I think like 10 years, like after that Frank Ocean covered thing happened in 2011. Yeah. And I was still, I was like a senior in college. I, I got calls from all the labels I was going to meet with like Atlantic and, and Republic and Def Jam then as well. And, um, I was really desperate to sign a deal at that point in my life because I was a youngster. I was 21 and I wanted to be famous real bad. And I wanted to like make my own music, you know, but life has an interesting way of moving and it pulled me in a different direction. And I went, I, I got pulled in, um, you know, I got the opportunity to jump into the world of Indian films. Now, a decade later. So because I had, I had that little kind of like, I'd done that dance a little bit before. Mm-hmm we were aware to a certain degree of what the world was. Mm -hmm. Um, But now like 10 years later, and at that time, I don't think the world at large and specifically the United States was ready for a you. Yeah, exactly. And now they it's happening and very clearly it's a necessary thing that has to happen right now. So it hasn't felt like unknown waters all the way. At first it kind of did when like, um, and, you know, my dad has been the, at the forefront of negotiating all my deals and and kind of like, you know, like really kind of we've jumped into this world together and uh, we quickly realized that it's not all that different from other parts of the world. Right. Like like at first we thought maybe it would be. And as we've kind of dug in more, it's fundamentally like the way things move here when you really get to the core of it are the same as how moves in india or, or or wherever else right it's just about like setting what our path is you know and and just like being fully dedicated to it there's been processes of adjustment here and there um subtle things uh but i think overall um the message for us and and the path is clear like i know what i want to say and 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 how i want to say it and so we've just been after that relentlessly really mm-hmm. you know and and it's been good um working with def jam has been great we've we, we we've met some um, amazing people who are able to really service this vision and this kind of intensity of the way that we move so it hasn't felt like this um like there hasn't been culture shock or anything like that it's just right. been like okay this is the task at hand let's get to it well when i watch interviews of you in india you're speaking english the host is kind of speaking, you know, English with an accent. So there's, we can, we can clearly see that there's like a, a difference here. And then yeah. when I watch Tiny Desk, I can see you wearing traditional clothing and everybody else is wearing Western clothes. And you've got so much going on in India and you've got so much going on in America. And it seems like there's no compass here or not compass, but it seems like you can, you're in two places at once, but at the same time, uh, it's like you're, div- you know, what I'm trying to say is, have you figured out what home is now? at this time of your life yeah i mean like so that song do the dance on on the album is like very much a search for home like that's at the core of that song and i think through the process of writing that song and was the realization that for me specifically home is not a physical place it just can't be because i am traversing these different worlds simultaneously every single day um so it's taken a lot of work for me to dig deep and define and find home as a non-physical thing, as a feeling, as people, as a set of emotions or like spiritual beliefs. 
and really kind of building that temple within myself that I can stay true to. Um, because it is a trip, man. And I don't think that anyone has ever done the specific thing that I'm doing right now, right? Which is have this massive career in India. I think because of this very unique path that we're on, it's required me to really kind of dig deep and, and you know, define home. And I know how it feels. I don't know if I can necessarily articulate it in words, but I know the feeling. And the thing that I try to do every day is instill that feeling within myself because that feeling is the compass. If I can have that, that 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 feeling emanating from my core it's like a warmth and a groundedness and a confidence if that exists and i'm placing that at the center of every day like when i wake up in the morning to when i go to sleep then i feel a sense of forward movement with purpose um and a feeling of not comfort but uh um just being centered you know, um, because it's very easy with this shit and the way the last year and a half has gone to feel like you're being pulled in all these different directions all the time. Um, and that's always going to be the case. It's only going to get more from here. You know, it's not going to lessen at all. No. Um, God willing, you know, so it's it's just uh, it's just yeah, tapping into that, identifying that spirit and holding it dear, you know um that's that's what home home really is for sure very cool my last question uh what's next what's the next what's the next yeah, dream that's you um yeah i think the next step well it's multifold one is is to start just start discovering what the next sonic universe is going to be for me you know i feel like siddharth was a very um a deep profound and specific sonic space that we tapped into you know and it traverses different genre spaces and but my voice and the spirit of the songwriting and the parameters we occupied was really the kind of like the glue um i've i've just started writing music again like two weeks ago um after having put out the album so the the biggest next step is starting my favorite artists like take radiohead or or kanye or like they were able, every album was like a, a step in or Bon Iver, um, like 22 million, which is my favorite album by, by Justin and squad is so vastly different from Bon Iver, Bon Iver. Yes. And I love that. So my next thing is like, what is the next base that I want to create? What do I want? What, what, yeah. What sonic musical conceptual universe is, is going to, is going to be erected, you know, and I've, I've started uncovering it. I've been, I bought myself this thing called the electron Octatrack with this, this is really cool sampler. So I've been chopping up samples and just trying shit out. So like there's that. And I think I'll get to it kind of quick. Cause I'm, when I start creating music, I create with a sense of urgency. You know, I, I rarely kind of like sit back and just try. It's like, once I lock in, I tell like, all right, this is it. And I'm starting to get there. So that's a big one. Second one, I, I want to write a film um that i've started just kind of like slowly working on hollywood um, or or indian i want to do two i want to do one that's indian and one that's so indian. two different scripts or one script yeah. two different, different two different scripts yeah two and different. you've never and you and are you a writer like 
I write a lot. Thing. I've never specifically written screenplays though, and I know that okay. there's a to it. So I'll, what I'll probably do is link up with the screenwriter so that we can really format it. But I know what the gist of both of them are going to be already. So wow. is this like uh, about you, Eight Mile kind of like style? Like one of this- them is both of them will have fragments of myself in them. You Very know? cool. Um, yeah, and both of them will have music kind of at the core of them for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, it it won't be autobiographical for sure. But okay. I will be, and and so that's another big one again that's that a- I haven't really told anyone about yet. So that's you know what I mean, like, um, and and then these shows, man. I think. I make music to be able to perform on stage since I, like I told you when I was three, I was three when I first went on stage for the first time. And the minute I went on, it was like, I felt at home, you know, like I felt way more myself on stage than anywhere else. Um, And also I feel like I'm really, there's a potent message that I'm putting forth with the music that I've created and the stage is the most powerful place to put that forward. So all these shows that we're going to be doing over this next year, um, I can't wait because we went on tour with Boney Bear last month. Uh, and we went to five cities where people had no clue who I was at all. No context, no nothing. And what I saw, well, one, Boney Bear fans are very embracing and very warm, you know, because that's how Justin is. And that's how, you know. That's the spirit. But we, each and every one of those cities, and there was barely any brown people in those in those show, in, in the audience. But that's when I really realized that this music can transcend cultural barriers and stuff. It's very true to its own culture, but it can speak to people that don't have a context of, of my roots. So that was a testament and an affirmation of, of these shows that we're going to be doing is just really kind of, giving those performances the 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 significance and the gravity and the sanctity that they deserve because really you know it's 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 a a platform to molecularly change the way people feel and view the world so that's another huge one man just continuing to up the game with the shows continuing to be as honest as i can be on stage and really spread this message um and, and let people kind of take take from it what they will. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's been an hour. Time flew. Uh, yeah, your man. future is so bright, man. It's making me go blind. I cannot wait to see the things you do. And uh, yeah, I'll, that's it. Anything else you want to add in or we're good? No, I think we're good, man. This is one of my favorite conversations that I've done. Oh, thank uh, you. That means so much. Process, man. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate you. And also, I love what you do. And that's amazing that it's just you because there's so, such an impact um, what you're what you're doing. It has me and my pops when Tori first hit us up about this. And I've been following Brown History for a minute. Um, but my pops dug in and was like looking into like what the ethos and he was just like, yo, this is real shit. You know what I mean? So like... Shout yeah, yeah, like I said, he has that sixth sense and he just kind of knows these things, you know. So um, but yeah, bro, lots of love. Let's definitely stay in touch. Definitely. Um, and again, uh, thank you. This was this was beautiful. You keep you keep doing what you're doing and you're helping all of us. So just keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate that, brother. Peace out, man. Take care. Have a good day. Peace. You too. Take care.